Welcome in. Sidebet Podcast, the first of 2024. Like Larry David says, it's too late to say Happy New Year, and so I won't. Andy Gafford, Jonathan Kinchin, our collective babysitter, Giovanina Kinchin, producer Terrence Thiege, who I just smoked in a fantasy football final. Terrence, like, how are you coping? Uh, I think it's the first time I've lost you in a final, so uh, it might be. I, I now know what it tastes like, but uh, wasn't my best performance, no. It was really, really satisfying. Jonathan, I guess the, the real question is, like, who had the worst week? Terrence losing to me in fantasy? Or you in real life, my friend? The Sugar Bowl, Texas, that big Penix energy. What happened? Uh, I mean, just a couple of turnovers late uh, in the second half that uh, on drives that were looking promising. Um, football games often, I think most sports events are often – much simpler than we make them. And uh, and we'll talk about some results that we've seen over the last few weeks, uh, including the Alabama game. But you make mistakes and it ends up costing you football games. I don't think there's really too much more to it. We were in it with a chance to win uh, on the last play. You can't ask for more than that. But uh, I think it would have been a much closer game if uh, we wouldn't have put the ball on the on the ground uh, a couple times in the second half. Great name for a horse. Big Penix Energy. Gee, give us a peek behind the curtain, a snapshot, because Jonathan sounds like pretty calm and pretty reserved about the whole thing right now. Like at any point, were you concerned about like his well-being watching the fourth quarter? So I'm I'm gonna be honest. We, you know, drink a lot on New Year's Eve. And then Jonathan to cure his hangover, drank two full bottles of Prosecco, Aperol Spritz style. So he was like, and I was completely sober. He was really feeling himself. So it was a very interesting dynamic because I wasn't sure if he was angry or just very intoxicated, but also laughing at the same time. Uh, If we're going to be, if we're going to be honest, okay. If we're going to be fully honest, we, we, uh, we did, we were out a little late. And, uh, and yes, I, I did consume. It was, it was, it was a, it was a very fun day in terms of the fact that Texas was playing for a final four, a final four game. And, uh, Jovina was asleep in the second half. She didn't even see the second half. Excuse me. I did get up. I watched the last two plays when they were on the 15 yard line and couldn't convert. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Next morning must've been a rude, rude awakening. Jonathan, at least. So at least it didn't ruin New Year's Eve yet. New Year's Day, different story, probably. Jonathan, the good news is you're not alone. Alabama fans like didn't have the best of New Year's Days either. Uh, Alabama falling to Michigan in the Rose Bowl, 27-20 in OT. What was your, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, honestly, my biggest takeaway was, uh, like I said, fundamentals. Uh, the quarterback uh, center exchange. It's where every football play starts. And uh, a lot of times it's under center and, and, and a lot of times it's in the gun. And uh, there was a, a couple of mishaps early in the game that I think cost Alabama on some drives. But I think ultimately, if you watch that last play, I think some people will question the play call. I think if you if you watch it again and you look at it objectively, where if the snap would have been a good snap, not a low snap, requiring uh, the quarterback to, to, to have to, to, to bend down to pick the ball up. I think that that play develops a little bit differently, probably still doesn't work, but doesn't look nearly as bad. Um, fundamentals in sports. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty important. Michigan really has to, to clean up their special teams, uh, spinning it 
forward, the championship game. On Monday in Houston, number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, Michigan favored by four and a half. Jonathan, what do you think? Well, my brain's struggling uh, to, to watch it, thinking that, that uh, the Two burnt bottles orange, of Prosecco will do that. Yeah, the, the burnt orange team was going to be involved. Uh, I did. I was lucky enough to catch up uh, with uh, with Chris Felica um, from ESPN Game Day and also from now from 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 Fox Sports uh, on my podcast, JK Plus One yesterday. And he gave some really good ideas because, I, like I said, my brain's struggling to want to wanna watch this football game. Um, <laughs> Michigan in the second half thinks that he'll kind of wear – um, they'll wear Washington down and, and should be able to outscore uh, Washington in the second half. No defensive touchdowns. Feels like both of the quarterbacks are, are protect the football and, and, and aren't the types of teams that get a lot of sacks, take a lot of sacks, um, and felt like a, a no defensive touchdowns um, prop was a good one. And then uh, he just kind of pointed out, which, which I agree with, which is even more frustrating, that Washington just seems to be a little bit fortunate, right? They were double-digit mm-hmm. dogs and beat Oregon. Uh, they, were a, they were a dog on the road to Oregon State and pulled that one out. And uh, after two turnovers in the second half, there was a play, there was four plays from the 15 that they could have lost to Texas in. So uh, when does their, their luck kind of run up against a pretty consistent and solid team in Michigan? Prediction, Terrence, while your talent scouting for your fantasy team hopefully improved next year? Yeah, I uh, so I liked Alabama, was obviously wrong on that, but and Michigan outplayed them, I think, for most of the game. Um, I do lean toward Washington here, and the reason is because I, for this podcast, started doing a little bit of research yesterday, and I kept finding myself looking at these two teams pretty equally. So if I look at them pretty equally, I'm going to lean toward taking the four and a half. I think the last I looked, it was four and a half uh, for Washington. I, Straight up, I I don't really have a strong opinion, but I'll take the four and a half with Washington, assuming it'll be a close game. Uh, Michigan's defense is obviously fantastic, but I also think Washington's explosiveness, if they can bust a couple of big plays on Michigan and get up early, uh, Michigan will have a harder time coming back from behind. Uh, but who knows? Really, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think it is a toss-up. And I will say this, too, just from a betting strategy standpoint, it, Terrence mentioned that four and a half. You know, that's a tricky number, right? Because it, 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 the field goal comes into play there by, you know, in, in terms of, of making it a seven point game or, or whatever. Um, if, if you're going to play, if you're going to play, I, I would move that a little bit. I would either try to get it mm-hmm. under or tied with the four where you can push with the four. The four and a half is an ugly number. Or if you're feeling confident with Michigan and you're, and you want to kind of, kind of get some positive juice in that, in that, arena you could even go up a little bit go up to six and a half I mean if they're going to win by four and a half they're likely going to win by six and a half I understand that you can win by six pretty easily there's some easy math there uh, but get a couple of extra points out of it I wouldn't just take the four and a half as it stands yeah, as long as it's it's better more competitive than Georgia TCU last year everything's going to be just fine an amazing story with the Harbaugh's uh, you saw that interview with 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 John Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh's family his parents, after after the win, uh, Jim Harbaugh will actually be, correction, John Harbaugh will be at the championship game because the Baltimore Ravens, now with the number one seed in the AFC, win, lose, or draw on week 18. Um, before we get to week 18, what we saw last week, the Ravens dismantling the Dolphins. Yeah, they lock up the number one seed. And now one of the, the focal points of the final week slate is this battle for the AFC East and the Bills, Dolphins, and, and Jonathan, so much at stake for Buffalo riding on the outcome of this one. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that you want if you're both of those teams, right? Who I think have some deficiencies. Um, I, I you know I'm a huge fan of the Dolphins, um, but they have they both have some deficiencies, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But the Dolphins also have they're starting to they're starting to rack up some injuries on defense. I, I think that you want to have a home game if you want to make a run. You want to try to get as many things on your side, especially if you're a team like those two are that have had some some pretty bad blowups throughout the year. And I think this is an important game for that reason, trying to establish the, a home game possibly too, if you can get it. And I, and I think it's definitely uh, an important one. And one of the things with these divisional games, I think, is I like to look back to see what happened and look at those situations objectively, not just the final score, right? The Bills got after the Dolphins last time they played. However, there was there were some turnovers uh that that i think can affect a score like that there was also um you know they were both they weren't bad on third down i think the the bills were five for ten the dolphins were three for ten you clean up a couple things here and there and that game is significantly closer um but i I just i as much as i want to pick the dolphins here i just can't i think the bills um they just with the dolphins injuries i they just they're they're making me a little bit nervous uh one of the the absences on the bills Offense, new OC, they're focusing on the run. Stephon Diggs has been like an afterthought. They're big play downfield threat, one of the best route runners and wide receivers in the NFL. Gee, when you wear what he wears arriving at the stadium, you can't leave that game like catching three balls for 23 yards. And that's essentially what's been happening. It was a wild outfit. I'm going to be honest, though, I do also have a painter suit. <laughs> I think I sent it in our group message. Um, that was, it was more like, it was like a janitorial painter suit. Like a, un- like a Mike, Michael Myers thing kind of thing like going on. A little bit. It was very strange. Yeah, you gotta, you have to be receiving a few more yards to like rock something so confidently, I feel. He walks in the stadium, you're like, that guy's wearing that. He's going like 12 for 150 and two scores. And the shoes, too, the uh, red laces, everything. that weird built – it looked like a Wilt – listen, man, Stefan Diggs. But it looks like there's a built-in diaper into that thing. Well, the thing is, is do you know how hard it is to pee in a onesie? I don't. I, <laughs> oh I don't my. remember. That was a long time ago for me. Well, I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna need to get you one to just wear one night out in Saratoga. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Christmas Story pink bunny uh, outfit would be – would do just just fine. So yeah, lots on the line with, with with the Bills and and the Dolphins. This final week of the NFL season, all division rivals. Some teams jockeying jockeying for playoff position. Some teams jockeying for a better draft pick, player incentives, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's like what motivates this team? Some teams are motivated to play very hard and win. Others maybe they're a little bit better off if they don't win. Right? J.K. for the Lions. Before we look ahead to week 18, what was your take on what took place at the very end of the Cowboy game last last Saturday night? Uh, was that New Year's Eve? Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 funny. Um, you know, that you think about the uh, Canarius Towney or Tony situation and you talk about being on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage. To me, in high school and also in college football, there's no reporting of eligible receivers. If if the if the if the, if the guy is covered up, by a receiver outside of him or a player outside of him. He's not eligible. It, it has nothing to do with what number he has. And it's on the defense to, 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 to pay attention to those situations. So th- th- what happened, in my opinion, is the Lions were trying to be deceptive and yeah. sending 
70 in to look as if he was going to be the eligible receiver when in reality they tried to make Decker the eligible receiver, but they wanted to trick it. We used to, it was called a hidden man trick. We used to do it all the time where you don't cover up the tackle, but you put someone on the line of scrimmage on the other side. So you meet the requirements of having seven on the line of scrimmage, but the tackle is eligible because he's not covered up by the receiver. And in my opinion, to my eye, the receiver that was covering that was that was outside of Decker was almost covering up Decker. Anyways, it was a very gray area. Anyways, to me, get rid of the reporting situation. You don't need to report. Just go by the rules. If the player's covered up, he's not eligible. If he's uncovered, then then he, uh, you know, then he then he is eligible. It, it, it's it's that simple. Campbell has like this double down problem, like this this side of the, his personality. We're learning. Why are you still going for two after the penalty from the six-yard line or the seven-yard line? Kick the extra point. And to take it a step further, he's like, I'm over it. And for that reason, you know, we're going to, you know, step on the accelerator and we're playing all of our starters in week 18. They're going for – there's like no – it's between a two-three and a three-seed. And in order to be the two-seed, they need Washington and Dallas to lose. That's not likely going to happen. I feel like this double-down mentality, if somebody gets hurt, could seriously cost them when once the playoffs start. Yeah, I just think it's that tough guy thing, which which you know was 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 a was a punchline and a meme when he first started having press conferences. You know, we're gonna we're gonna what he says like you know we'll we'll fight and bite you, we'll do whatever it takes to win, whatever he said. I'm probably misquoting it, but it was something ridiculous like that. And he was funny, and everyone thought he was an idiot. And then he kind of turned the team around with that culture to a certain extent. And so now I just think he's just riding that out. Like we're gonna be, we're not gonna. We're, we're going to do what you don't think we should do because we're tough and we're here to win and we don't give a damn about numbers and stats and positions. We're going to show up and we're going to fight you every minute, every day. And he's yelling at his players and he's and all that nonsense. I, I mean, whatever. Good for him. You know, kind of silly. He, Honey, he made- are you, are you okay? Are you good? <laughs> <laughs> Dan Campbell and his lions. So what do you, how do you, what how do you handle them this week then? The uh, Vikings in Detroit and the lions, three-point favored because of the expectation that the starters will play. Yeah, look, when, when you have a when you have a football team that had a quarterback and then they had another quarterback and now they have another quarterback, I'm always going to play against those teams, right? Like, it, it's it, this is a quarterback-driven league. And if it's taking you a couple of guys to get to a guy, that guy's probably not that good, and I have no problem playing against them in every single situation. Yeah, so I said that in order for the Lions to be the two-seed, uh, I think I said Washington and Dallas, obviously Philadelphia and Dallas would both have to lose the Cowboys at home. Heavy, heavy favorites, 13 point favorites. One of those scenarios where one team has an incentive to win and the other, not so much looking ahead to the draft next year regarding Washington. If they lose, they secure the number two overall pick. Yeah. I mean, look, 13 is a huge number in the NFL. Uh, all signs point to the Cowboys. But it's not a game that I'd be cutting in line to to, to play. It's it's a big number. Um, I, I would probably I'm fine with the 13. I, I think that I would probably be more inclined to like use this in a teaser to get it under a touchdown. Uh, weird things happen in in in, in the NFL, and it is a game of parity. Um, so I, I wouldn't feel the most comfortable with the 13. I, but I wouldn't have a problem teasing it down, like you mentioned. A lot of the incentives suggest the Cowboys should show up and play well. Strong opinion one way or the other. Terrence, Vikings, Lions, Washington, Dallas. 
Uh, no, I actually agree completely with Jonathan there. I do want to mention, though, I think on our notes here, I have the game being at Dallas. It is at Washington, at Washington, ah. which makes me dislike that 13 even more because we've talked about the Cowboys being a different team on the road. I think they win the game. They have to win the game to get that two seed. Uh, but that 13 at Washington, I would take the commanders and those points unless you tease it down or buy some of those mm-hmm. points like Jonathan mentioned. Uh, speaking of the NFC East, uh, Philadelphia, who I have spent some time on this podcast defending. Uh, you start to, to run out of logical defense when you lose at home against Arizona, who did themselves no favors by beating the Eagles. But fact is they beat Philadelphia. Uh, Jonathan, the offense looks stale. And now the defense, like, again, we've discussed this. We knew they were bad against the pass. Now they can't stop anyone on the ground either. Uh, really trending in the wrong direction just before the playoffs. You know, I mean, one of the things I I, I look at um, is not so much wins and losses uh, because, I mean, they, they matter, don't get me wrong. But I also like to look at, like, are these teams exceeding the expectations of Vegas and the public? And are they covering the spread? And that's the issue with, like, the Eagles. They're not only are they losing – Right. I mean, they're favored a lot. So that's part of it. But they're not only losing, but they're 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 not covering. Right. They were a dog to San Francisco and Dallas and they didn't cover. They got blown out in both of those games. Um, They 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 didn't cover against Seattle when they were a favorite. They were they finally beat the Giants, but they didn't cover. And and then they obviously lost out right when they were when they were favored uh, to double digit favorites uh, against Arizona. And they're playing a team in the Giants who have covered five of their last six games which suggests they're overachieving i said it before and i'll say it again i get the facial hair is ridiculous but he's also just not a great passer and i believe that you get enough tape on what they've done successfully for the last couple of years defenses in this league are so good and coaches are so good they'll make adjustments to give you problems and i think that's exactly what the eagles are facing is it too simple terrence to point at two struggling offenses loaded with superstars and just say, oh, Super Bowl hangover. Kansas City, Philadelphia. If you watch the Super Bowl from last year and watch both of these teams operate offensively this year, it, it looks like two different units, four different units. Yeah, I think um, with Kansas City, I'd maybe point a little bit to the loss of Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator who went to Washington. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Shane, Shane Steichen leaving Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, you lose those coordinators, that's a big hit. But a lot of times I would think that by this time of the year, you would figure it out. And it feels like Philadelphia, at least, has kind of gone backward. Um, I'm most interested, in Lafitte, to hear if you're still bullish on the Eagles. Though. No, okay. no, no, no. I'm not that stubborn. Do, uh, do the Eagles have, even have a shot to get to the Super Bowl if they end up having to win on the road? If you can't stop the run game, like, I think they can win in a shootout. Um, I, I it's hard to watch the offense. One of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the game. The skilled position players are as good as any unit, at least with Kansas City. You could say, well, they, they really need to grow up in the wide receiver area, so on and so forth. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the absence of Shane Steichen. Not being able to start the stop the run, in many cases, that, that's an attitude thing. That's an effort thing. The, the locker room reports are that, I don't want to go as far as saying fractured, but there are issues in the locker room, A.J. Brown right in the middle of it. The effort and the product on the field, none of it adds up to anything that looks like Philadelphia from what we saw last year. 
And if it's not Philadelphia, I'm curious uh, for your opinion on who is a team that even could compete with San Francisco in the NFC. And I know we'll talk more about this next week when the, the playoffs are all kind of sorted out. I, I hate to, to – usually you like to have a wise guy in the field somewhere, and the playoffs don't always unfold like they do on paper. But right now I'd be really surprised if we don't have a San Francisco-Baltimore Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, you know, look, I, 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 I'm still a, I'm still a little bit of a Brock Purdy questioner. I, you know, it's funny. I think a team that could get a little sneaky and and beat the Niners, just because of the way the 49ers play, they, 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 they depend so much on the trenches. Um, and that is a place that the Lions excel, right? I mean, that's that's one of their strengths. I think is is up front on both sides of the ball, and so you know that they're they're one that could be interesting getting Brock Purdy in some. Um, less than manageable third down situations. I mean, I wouldn't, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, bet the Lions win the Super Bowl, but I, I guess of one of the teams in there, they, they would seem to be one that could beat them. I guess the Cowboys too, if they show up or, but you know, they're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as well. Very different team when they're not at home. Um, there's been a lot of that this year. And even though like Jacksonville to me has felt like a disappointment for much of the season an offense that I thought would be much better, but they can still set, they can still win the division. And in a divisional clash with the Titans, they are in Tennessee, JK, favored by five. What are your thoughts going in with Trevor Lawrence, who is far, far from healthy? Yeah, but I think he'll play. Um, I, I just think the Jags are better than the Titans. A lot more to play for. They just had a, some inter, inju, injury situations throughout the year. So I'll go Jags here in the minus five. G, do you like Trevor's hair? I don't, I, I mean, I'm dating, I'm dating. Ooh, I'm married to Jonathan. I, I, I love Whoa, hair. I'm more interested wow. in who you're dating. Wow. <laughs> I, I love hair. <laughs> UT, wow. QT. Big hair. I got University like, of Clemson long hair. I would like to mention that I'm a much different wife when I'm not at home as well. When I'm traveling, I'm a much different <laughs> wife. <laughs> How yeah, so? You are, she's much better at home. She, she's like Dak Prescott. And he's, he's got me traveling all over America. <laughs> you didn't read the fine print, did you? She, and she, you know, you, you can you also read say, the fine print. She, she's also like, uh, she's also like, uh, who is that horse? Uh, he's also kind of like John Sadler that, you know, how he couldn't ship and, until <laughs> Flightline. You know, <laughs> it, it, she, she doesn't ship well. Did you just compare yourself to Flightline? <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Moving right along, and another division coming down to, and again, it, it is interesting with an 18th week. The one thing I do think they got right was having these all head to head divisional matchups so that week 18 does mean a little bit more in the NFL. Um, we'll wrap these up in, in, in one conversation. Tampa, a surprise. By the way, Terrence, really good job. Before the season started, you were on the Bucks. Should they beat the Panthers in Carolina, where they're favored by five and a half, uh, they take down the title of which is far exceeding what the expectations were for them going into the going, coming into the season, Terrence. Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, I've liked the Bucks a little bit all year. Not thinking they're you know Super Bowl contender or anything like that. Just I like them in that weak division. Uh, Baker Mayfield is, you know, plays well some weeks, plays not so well the others. They're playing the Panthers, which are kind of in a unique situation where they're the record-wise the worst team in the NFL. But they're not worried about draft pick because they gave theirs away. Yep. So if they 
finishes with the worst record, the Bears get the number one pick. So the Panthers, I expect them to come out, uh, you know, playing tough. Uh, but I do think the Bucs win and, and with that win the NFC South. Um, and the other NFC South matchup is actually probably my strongest opinion of the week. I really like the Saints, New Orleans. Um, uh, Derek Carr is much better than whoever Atlanta puts a quarterback out there. He's got 10 touchdowns in the last four games. Um, they're at home. Uh, they beat Tampa last week to keep the the postseason hopes alive. And even though I think Tampa wins this week to, to win that division, uh, I think the Saints will cover the three points against Atlanta at home in New Orleans. And their defense finally playing like the defense we thought we'd see all season, New Orleans. Jonathan, I, just, I can't – any scenario, like if the Bucks lost and the Falcons won and Arthur Smith wound up in the playoffs, that, that would, would – gut me he, he should what he's done with that team and like malpractice in terms of not using his offensive weapons that he has whether it's Bajon Robinson whether it's 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 uh, Pitts whether it's Drake London uh do you see a scenario here are you in do you think the Bucks win and cover and what do you think about the Falcons sinking yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Saints, I know they're not the, the Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Alvin Kamara, yeah. Michael Thomas Saints, but they're pretty damn good at home. And 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 so I, I it's still a tough place to play. So I, I like the Saints in that situation. Um, and then I, I agree. I mean, Carolina, uh, I mean, the, 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 the owners throwing beers at people. I, they're not very good. <laughs> I, I think Tampa will get, win that one, too. So um, I, I think both of those those favorites will win those two games. Last year, we watched. Detroit boot the Packers out of the playoffs. All Green Bay had to do with Aaron Rodgers at home was beat Detroit, and they advanced. They got beat. Same scenario. Packers at home. Bears marching in. Green Bay, it's winning you're in. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I'm just not a Justin Fields guy. I, I just, I, I just, I, I just can't. Um, it's one of those things we talk about it. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, where like there's just automatics for me. They're either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to bet on the Bears. I will always just bet against them. So I would probably pass on this game because I don't trust the Packers, but there's a 0% chance I'm betting on the Bears. I'm just not going to bet on the Packers. They're coming in, though, highly, highly motivated. Terrence, like that that, that rivalry is, is like college football real. There's like Ohio State and Michigan out west, you know, whether it's USC, Notre Dame, uh, USC, little brother, UCLA. Like the Bears and the Packers has that Bear fan, it's a successful season if they march into Lambeau and kick the Packers out of the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm not the biggest Justin Fields fan either, but I will say he's quite motivated right now because he's got all that talk about the Bears taking uh, the the USC quarterback, Caleb Williams, or whether or not they're going to stick with Fields. He's motivated for staying in Chicago, or if he doesn't stay in Chicago, whatever his next contract will be uh, with another franchise. My only opinion on this game is, I understand Jonathan's logic there, but I feel like every year in this week 18 or 17, as it used to be, one of these teams that is in a win in your end scenario just flops in the final week. And you can't believe that they didn't show up and they get kicked out of the playoffs. And I feel like the Packers are probably the most vulnerable of those teams. doesn't necessarily mean the Bears are going to go in and win. I just feel like the Packers are vulnerable. Chicago's won five of their last seven. Uh, those two losses were close games to Detroit and Cleveland. It included a, a drop tail Mary that would have won uh, mm -hmm. a sixth of those seven games. I think the Bears are actually playing decent football right now, and the Packers 
while they did play well last week against Minnesota, they're they're no world beaters. So I feel like the Packers are the most vulnerable of the win and you're in teams. Bears defense playing very well. Fields, he is, I know you're not a huge fan, JK, but he is, he's playing better now than he has most of the season. So yeah, that'll be, I think that it, it that'll be tight. That'll be tight. Expect it to be a close game. Uh, Seattle at Arizona. Somebody needs to tell Arizona how much better off they are if they aren't winning games down the stretch here. They upset Philadelphia. How do you think they respond in their final week? Two and a half point dogs to Seattle. Seattle still in the mix for a playoff spot. Yeah, look, I, I mean, uh, it's another situation. The Cardinals organization a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, wild, I, I would say. Um, I'm a Seattle guy here, and they got something to play for. I mean, they'll be. They'll be wondering what's going on um, with the with the uh, with the Packers game, obviously. But uh, the Cardinals are one of those teams. I just I, I can't find a way to play on them either. This is probably a pass for me. But if if you're uh, if you're if you're looking for a side, I would take Seattle. Then this one isn't a pass. I don't see a scenario possible that the Jets beat New England in what could be Bill Belichick's final game. I think the Patriots throttle the Jets this weekend. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, it, it's it's a defense thing, right? I mean, it, it's Bill Belichick didn't forget how to coach. I think he's just missing a few players. But luckily, the Jets are also missing a few players, and including uh, the most important position in football at quarterback. Their, their, uh, their first two guys aren't going to be playing. So um, I, I think that uh, the Patriots – will get this one done. And I actually wouldn't have a problem playing this one. They've been, they've been bad at times, but they've had some signs of like, Oh, we can kind of figure it out. And I think there's no better team than the jets to kind of figure that out against. Terrence. Uh, the exact same opinion. I, I do think it'll be Belichick's last game uh, on the Patriots sideline. Not sure if he'll retire or go to another franchise, but I do. And uh, I agree. There's no way the Patriots lose this game. Uh, and the Jets have been just awful recently. So, uh, yeah, I would go with Patriots, and I'm with Jonathan. I wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't hesitate to play this game as well, as long as it stays uh, at around that minus two and a half. Exciting 18th and final week of the NFL season, and then we get it started next week with the playoffs. The seven teams, of course, now which advance to from each conference, and uh, we'll discuss those games after we know what the matchups look like. So winding things down here on the side bet podcast, but quickly, G want to get your thoughts on uh, Caitlin Clark, the buzzer beater, the victory Tuesday night. what do you think? I think that Caitlin Clark is one of the best things to happen to women's college basketball. She is cocky in all the right ways and she's really damn good. She, it was almost at the half court, at the half court, excuse me. <laughs> half court line it was insane to win and then she runs to the opposite end of the court and gets everybody all just riled up I honestly think she's brought so much good commentary and just people are watching college basketball now you know that, that after every good show every time he thinks he has a good show Jonathan does that thing with his hand waving it in front of his face to me <laughs> after every show he doesn't say a word he just does it and walks away that's his can't like, see drop. Can't see he's, honey. He's lying. I'm, I'm, I'm usually sprinting to the car so we can get to our reservation. <laughs> Not lying. Not. And if, if I were going to pay right now to watch one person play college basketball, it'd be Caitlin Clark. The ratings have like never been higher. Which like it's insane. It's, it's well, like a complete phenomenon. Her and Angel 
Reese from LSU, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's insane. Really, really good stuff. All right, guys, thanks so much. For Jonathan G. Terrence, I'm Lafitte. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us on the Sidebet Podcast. We got it. We got it.